Kidnapped, Chapter 2 of Aeone, The Realm of Enchantians, by me, Kristen Howe. Um, good evening, everybody. It's 3-10-2021, and it's 11.25 p.m., and on this still wintry night, it's not going to be winter for much longer this weekend, time changes here. I guess time, cha time changes everywhere, but time changes here, and, um... Get ready for spring. I was out in my garden today, and it was a very nice day. Um, so here we go. Okay. Chapter 2, Kidnapped. There was no way any enemy of King Amorous could cross into his kingdom without being a part of the Redwood tribe. He had decided to put up a magical barrier to protect his land from the Saruman tribe long ago, as well as others that looked to create discord. The only ones that could cross the barrier needed the express permission from the king. Aeone and Moriana were the only two exceptions to that rule. Other than the king himself, however, the Redwood Knights could cross because they had permission from their king. Moriana could also give her permission to have someone cross, and so could Aeone. That's going to prove a bad idea later in the chapter. The king had Eros write that into the spell, but the king would come to regret that. One early autumn morning, while most of the kingdom slept, Morianna decided to seek her father to speak to him on an urgent matter. She knew her father would be up with the morning light, Amorous was fond of playing the lute to the sun. It was one of his ways to honor nature. So she found him on the great marble steps leading up to the courtyard playing his golden light lute. Golden light, no lute. I read so fast sometimes, like, you know, sorry about that. As Mariana approached, Amorous kept singing, O oh, golden sun, way up high, like, like a nugget in the sky. Thank you for your radiant light all day with all your might. I'm not a poet. I can admit it. Amorous ignored his daughter's footsteps and went on singing the same verse repeatedly until she screamed stop. Moriana did not like being ignored. It made her quite irritated. Why do you disturb me, child, in this early morn? Amorous conveyed irritably. Moriana did not understand why he w should honor such things as he did, but today was not the day to argue that. I really think I should have used the word debate, but anyway, it's done. I come to speak with you, father, Moriana asked in a gentle voice. She was happy he did not continue to sing. So are my children, trust me. Well, then, speak, child, you have walked all this way and disturbed my meditation, Amorous retorted. Moriana almost wished now she did not bother. She hesitated for a moment, but then she spoke. I wish to speak with you about my role as queen. She knew all too well that Amorous was not going to give her the throne if he should pass into the shadow life. But she wanted a chance to give her father a chance to change his mind. Perhaps in her small mind he would. Aeone was too fragile for the role, 
At least in Morianna's mind, she was. Amorous put his wood down on the ground and low towered over. Uh, bleh, towered over Morianna. You know already, child, of my decision on this. Why do you ask me again? He asked. He had become aggravated with her. She had already knew of his decision. Aeone is beautiful and charming and sweet, father, but she does not have the stomach to rule. You have no sons. I have the strong will and the talent to make decisions, the right decisions for this kingdom, Morianna spoke. Eris did not want to hear any more. He got up and walked back up the stairs. Morianna continued, Why should she always have special favor with you? You loved my mother, too. My mother was your first wife, Morianna was starting to get angry. Morianna was starting to get angry. So when Amorous reached the top step, she demanded him to stay and listen to her. She demanded him to stop. Stop, Aramis, I'm speaking to you. Amorous stopped on the landing and turned toward her. He was not smiling anymore. Indeed, he was becoming angry. I deserve better respect for my children, Morianna, Amorous said in a calm manner. As he glared into her eyes, you underestimate me, Morianna. I'm not easily manipulated by you as you might like to think. You are. You also underestimate the very power of Aeone. She was born for a reason, beloved and blessed by Athos. She is also a child of my true love. He spoke as he glared with dis distaste. Your true love, Morianna repeated with such contempt. Let me tell you about your true love beneath named Capri. For many nights, while you did not share a bed, while you were off on your hunts, your precious golden nip loved another, and I saw it all. Saw it all. Do you do? You know who that was, Father? Morianna glared back at him. Yes, child, I know who the traitor was. It was Rotham, Prince of the Everleaf tribe. Amorous spoke. Morana was surprised he had that knowledge, but it did not change the fact of what ha had happened. Amorous told her that it did not matter, that he held himself accountable. He felt he neglected Capri by leaving on all those haunts. Sometimes he felt he devoted too much time chasing the stag. A mistake he tried to correct when he found Capri in the arms of his friend and in his bed. I forgave both, and, I, and her love returned to me. He spoke as gently as possible. Amorous tried awfully hard not to allow himself to be angry, angered by anyone. He found it more difficult not to feel angered toward Morianna. My daughter, I know you killed Capri. It was not for the reason of infidelity, but because you have felt my love gone from you. I assure you that Capri was not the reason. He spoke directly to Morianna. Morianna did not know he knew this either. She thought she was clever, uh, smarter than that. But she knew she was losing this battle with him. So, Father, what was the reason? I lost your favor, she asked him. You are from an evil deceiver, and I know your heart is wicked. And because of what you cannot be, Queen, he said. I know you killed my mother. For no reason, Father, Morianna said in an eerie voice, ignoring his comment and moving on to another subject.
Child, I do not need to explain myself. I am the king. I shall not give you excuses for my doings, wrong or not. But perhaps I should tell you what had happened on that faithful night. I kept these things from you because I had hoped I could grow to love you, to prevent you from being your mother's... Blah! <laughs> Sorry about that. To prevent you from your mother's curse, Amaris explained. Amaris had told her that Niope was a gift from his kin to lure him, lure him back to his brothers. No, so I mean, so this, so his brother in turn could have Niope open the barrier to his forces, so they could enter Amaris's kingdom. But Amaris did not know this at first. But when it was revealed to him that she was a trick, she revealed her true self. She turned herself into a dragon to try to kill him. Not only that, but tried to kill her daughter and burn the kingdom down. He defended himself. I tried to contain the creature. His heart was not to murder any creature, but he had no choice. You lie, she screamed at him. My mother would never hurt me. Morianna repeated herself a couple of times. Amherst just looked at her. Amherst had no choice but to believe that someday Morianna would be able to do the same thing and murder as her mother did. He did not want anyone to rule his kingdom with a murderous heart. It turned out he was right. He knew someday she would be the one to slay him for her, the crown, but Aeone would be the queen and Aeone would execute Morianna. Amaris continued, If you were my only choice daughter to rule this kingdom, I would have you executed for what you did to Capri. I would then lead the kingdom to Rotham, since he too is a, an heir of Redwood, since he is my top knight, since he is the brother of my grandmother's sage, and therefore Ken, Amaris whispered. Morianna looked at him with disbelief and a heart full of hatred. Amaris then walked off without a further word. Morianna turned and walked away also. By that time, the kingdom had awoken. They had heard Morianna screaming and gathered at the end of the courtyard to see what the matter was. Morianna felt humiliated. The whole kingdom knew of her treachery, her deceit. Soon after that morning, it had come to no surprise that the day had come when Morianna went and oh, sorry, Morianna went riding right out through the magical border that protected the kingdom from evildoers. She didn't even let anyone know she was even leaving, not even a goodbye. She gave no notice at all to anyone, not even her father. Morianna was furious. She was the oldest, not Aeone. It had not mattered of her deceit. She caused Aeone for her for even being born under her breath as she rode. Morianna at first did not know where to go. She wandered a bit around the outer woods. Then she came to realize her, if her father did not want her, maybe his tribe would. Maybe she would find some comfort there. Morianna was not as powerful as her sister. She was just a she-elf with long black hair, desperate to be loved and accepted 
but that turned into bitterness when her father rejected her. Morena was skilled and was talented in the arts of the bow. She was also trained to be queen, and she knew she would be a good queen, and she would have been queen if that nip brat, if that nip brat was never born. She vowed to return and claim what she believed was stolen stolen from her. She found herself looking over the great blue waters, pounding what pounding whether she was ready or not to break free from her father father in his realm. But there was a great conflict brewing inside of her. She continued riding she continued I'm sorry, she continued to ride along the banks of the great waters with her white horse galloping away, her long black hair streaked behind her as she moved swiftly with the wind. She did not want to go back. She rode for days across the land. Eventually, she finally needed a rest. She felt conflicted. She knew that the tribe of her father, that he himself once betrayed, would be accepting to her, she had hoped. She did not have to wait for too long before two male elves descended on her with every wild steed. With, I'm sorry. She did not have to wait for too long before two male elves descended on her with very wild steeds. M maiden, maiden, you have them, one of them, I'm sorry, maiden, maiden, one of them spoke with authority. Why have you come? You are trespassing on our land, the younger of the two inquired. Why are you away from your kinsman? The elder of the two demanded. She looked up, her eyes wet with tears. She drew a deep breath and hoped they would take pity on her. I am Morianna, daughter of Amorous of the Redwood. She lowered her voice. Daughter of Amorous, she spoke as she tried, I'm sorry, she spoke as she dried her face as to pretend she was weeping. I seek the king of the ceremonies, Mariana repeated. The two male elves dismounted and drew their bows. One of them spoke in elfish. She is a spy, brother. We must bring her to our father. She is the Princess Mariana of the Redwood tribe. I am Prince Prognomius, the taller of the male elves said. This is my brother, Predox. And Predox really stays a mainstream character. Uh, in the next book, not the third book, but the rest of them down the line, he still is going to appear in the latest book I'm writing. So he's one of the catalyst, evil catalyst villains that never die. They grabbed Morianna, but she did not resist. They rode in haste. The wind pounded on her back like rocks. She could tell they headed south, to, so they were not bringing her back to the Redwood Kingdom. She had in her mind that if Amorous believed she was kidnapped, then maybe her father would turn his favor back to her. She knew her mind if she felt favored. He may return in her return her as first in line of the of succession, and she would finally pluck the thorn 
that was deep in her soul out. The male elves rode for two days, and all the while, Morana was blindfolded. She was listening and learning their dialect, learning about her father's enemy. King Amorous was beyond worried for his daughter and set men out behind the great barrier to find her. It was not f for her safety he worried for. It, it, was, it was for who she might find out there. He feared she was heading toward his ken. That could become an awfully bad problem. King Celebrin Bor was losing all his battles. Amorous's daughter might come in favor with him. My lord, Arrow said in a low whisper, fearing his king's wrath. My lord, he repeated. We cannot locate Lady Morana anywhere. She must have left long before she was discovered gone. King Amorous sat and looked at him with disbelief for a moment. Then, in his tempered voice, he had ordered the men to search further than they had. He knew his daughter lusted for power, and he knew where she might be. Then he ordered his knights to make sure Aeone was watched more closely than usual. He did not want anything to happen to his radiant one, but Aeone did not like being caged up in the castle. She wanted to be freer. She had put her time to effective use. Opening her palms, she was practicing her magic. She made a golden light appear over them, as well as she made it disappear. Suddenly inside the light, Athos' face appeared, and he chuckled at her. He was watching from his golden mirror. King Amorous was beyond worried for his daughter. Oops. Oops. Then he ordered his knights to make sure Aeone was watched more closely than usual. He did not want anything to happen to his radiant one, but Aeone did not like being caged up in the castle. She wanted to be freer. She had put her time to effective use. Opening her palms, she was practicing her magic. She made golden light appear over them, as well as she made it disappear. Suddenly inside the light, Athos' face appeared and he chuckled at her. He was watching her from his golden mirror. But Amorous was not taking any chances. He demanded his knights to escort her everywhere, even when she bathed in the river. She would shower naked underneath the Redwood Falls. F for that, he said, turn your heads. If you look, you will be executed. Aeone would sit in her room for hours just thinking as well. She found time to paint and draft in exceptional stories. She did not want to be kept there. She wanted to help. One night, she walked down the stairs to the throne room and requested an audience with her father. He was alone on his throne. He granted her request. He always had time for her. The great hall of the Redwood King was dim and silent. He was pondering all that had happened and all that was coming next, for he knew it was not good. But he knew this day would come. 
He had to choose between the two, but it was not hard to do. He already had long ago. In front of him on the marble pillars was a golden sphere, just hovering. Aeone had not seen that sphere before. It sounded like there was a tune coming from it. Aeone walked in slowly and silently without a word. Come forth, daughter of mine, and sit, Amrith spoke abruptly, breaking the silence. What is this father that hovers over this pillar? she asked. Aeone walked toward it. She began to repeat the enchantment that came from it. King Amorous replied, It is the sphere of creation. It was given to me as a gift from Athos. Aeone did not know of this Athos, and her father did not explain. Aeone walked up to her father. Father, I have a request of you, she asked. Amorous smiled and looked up from his sphere to her. Yes, my beauty, my golden gift. Sit and rest your feet, my child, he finished. I have the power. Let me lead the knights to find my sister, Aeone pleaded. I have a keener sense than they, she pleaded some more. Then she bowed and sat back on her throne next to her mother's. Amorous looked to the empty throne to his right where Capri would still be sitting if not for her untimely death, and then to his left, where his daughter Morianna sat. It, took very, it looked very much like he was considering her request. He then looked, at, he looked straight at Aeote, as she then got up again and stood before him. My daughter the huntress, how brave and considerate, considerate of you, considerate of you are, are to try to help. He spoke gently. I am very proud of you at this moment, Amorous spoke almost poetically. He looked back to where Morianna's throne sat and began to speak again. I have no doubt you would be of immense help, my child, but now I must think of your safety, as well as the continued succession of our bloodline. If I allow you to leave beyond the Great Barrier, and something then happens to you, then the Redwoods would surely be vulnerable to evil. Therefore, there would be no peace for our people. Who would protect them? He kept a direct eye. Con he kept direct eye contact on his daughter and continued. I wish I could tell you everything, but this is not the time. Some day our tribe of the Redwoods will join another, and another will make us great, and you will be queen of all. Nothing must happen to your destiny. Everything is happening according to the fates, for a reason. I cannot say. But you will soon know, Amorous said vaguely. Your powers need to be kept a well-guarded secret, for if the enemy found you, he would use you with all his might to use your power against peace. I cannot even allow you to leave your chamber, my child. Please consider my request to keep you safe. I know you are a warrior unlike your sister. I know you are anxious to fail the fight. 
but you are still young and untrained and not ready to take to war, he finished. He knew Athos would punish him if something happened to Aeone. He gave Aeone a nod, and as mad and disappointed as she was, she left without a word. Aeone was not happy. She wanted to be free, and she wanted the excitement of the chase. She knew her sister did not just wander off. She deliberately left. But Aeone did not want to tell her father that. It would break his heart. Aeone wanted to find out what she was exactly up to. Aeone had an, an, oh, sorry. Aeone had an uneasy feeling about what her sister was up to. The same evening with Amorous still gazing into the sphere of creation, while he was in deep thought, Eros, his most trusted friend and wizard, entered the throne room once more. What is it, Eros? he spoke. Eros excused himself for the interruption and walked over to his master. My lord, Eros called. What is the matter, my king? Eros asked. Amorous stood up and started to pace. Amorous spoke first. I'm not at all convinced Mariana was kidnapped. Sire? Exclamation point. Arrows interrupted. Morana was angered by my decision to make Aeone queen. She felt betrayed. I explained that she was not to be trusted. Her heart is full of blackness and deceit, much like her mother. You know, I was never quite certain Morana was even my child, Amorous said, sitting back on his throne. I have a failing arrows that Mariana has betrayed her people and sought the help of the enemy. I only need you to confirm this. If she has, my brother will use her bitterness to attack me, and he would have full access of the barrier. She is just like her mother, you know. I had to slay her. She tried to burn me, he said, finally quitting his pace. Amorous kept his calmness. Maybe she won't, the old Istar said. Amorous looked at him as if he was jesting, joking. You know, old friend, our enemy will always use any means to create discord. My brother is eager for the richness of this land, and if he knew I had the sphere of creation, the gateway to Enchantia, he would be more dangerous, and he would not be able to. We would not be able to stop him. Athos gave me charge over the key. And Aeone for a reason, Amorous explained. Morianna is a victim of her own bitterness towards Aeone, and Celebrin Bor will use that to gain leverage. I can't allow her to usurp my peace, usurp my peace, Amorous said with a frown. Make sure there are extra men along the border to make sure nothing evil seeps through unnoticed, the king finished. Arrows left in a great haste, and soon every available elven warrior in the kingdom stood with arrows in hand ready to defend from defend them from any unwelcome guest. Morianna, if she came back alone, was to be escorted right to the king unharmed. Amorous now alone sat upon his throne once more. The spirit of creation began to vibrate. Then suddenly two golden figures appeared. They swooped out of the sphere and landed one on each side. Then they formed into elves. The three of them spoke in secret. 
it was not revealed what they spoke of, but the figures then returned into the sphere of creation. Amorous was not happy when they left. Pragnomius and his brother finally arrived at the kingdom of, of their fathers. Morana could smell nothing but repugnant odors. What is this place, she uttered in a small whisper. It is your new home, Morana, Predex said in a sinister laugh. Both the brothers gave each other a look. She could only smell the scent of smoke and hear the screams, some so soft and pathetic, and some were brash, as if they were next to her. Fear and dread took over her. She was afraid and regretful that she came. Predox's horse stopped. He grabbed Morana violently off the horse. He then took her took off her blindfold. Morana looked at the dismal and darkening place. She thought this place was a grand she thought of this place she thought this place was as grand as her own kingdom. But she was disenchanted. She did not like it one bit. Part of her watched to go back. More, uh, um, I'm sorry, part of her wanted to go back. Morana knew, however, she could not go back. Good day, my lady, you stink of fear. This is your home now, repeated Predox as he laughed again. He was taken by her right away. The kingdom was not as lush and grand as her father's, she thought as she looked around. Pragnomius took Morana and gripped her by the arm and dragged her off up the courtyard stairs. Then they brought Morianna straight to their father, the king. Morianna resisted a little, unsure of what was going to happen. She was not even sh sure now she was going to be accepted here. Why were they okay, why were they being so harsh? She wondered to herself. Get your hands off me, Morianna, Morianna demanded, as she struggled to get free. They entered the chamber where the king was sitting and eating. Lambrous bread and fruit, as well as some strange meat. It was forbidden in her kingdom to eat meat. She was horror-struck at the sight. How human, she quoked. She joked. He was a loath it was an ugly elf, skinny and very hairy, not the usual elven warrior king. Nothing was normal about any of this. He looked up and dropped his meat from his mouth. What did my sons bring to me? Sullivan Bourne, the Saruman King asked, as he was eyeing the prize before him. He looked with his squinty eyes and then repeated himself. A prize indeed, he uttered wickedly. The throne room was cold and dark and barely lit, only a few torches suspended on the great gray stone walls. While, I mean, with an incredibly deep voice that filled the chamber, King Selvin Bourne spoke without hesitation. What brings you here, my dear? His voice was full of distaste. Selvin Bourne got up from his mail and took a closer look at the maiden, and then he looked into her eyes. With meat still in what it seemed to be his teeth, he had spoken again. 
Surely you came of your own free will. Oh, my sweet, I do not see terror or fright in your eyes. I must say I am a bit surprised of your betrayal to your father. He walked around her slowly to, as to examine his niece. So you are my brother's daughter. Surely he must be in, a, must be in great distress that you have left his land. He spoke as he rubbed his chin with his fingers. So, why did you come here, my lady Redwood? He spoke again. He walked over to his throne and sat. His eyes were full of curiosity. He took his finger and rubbed his chin, as if to ponder her betrayal. I believe my father to be weak, Mariana spoke. Selborn Bohr nodded in agreement. This he already knew. Go on, Lady Redwood, he insisted, as he again sat back and began to chew on his meat once more. Morianna gagged in disgust. She never saw a more unwelcome sight. My father used to be a, used to be a strong king, but after he wedded that nymph, he became weak. He believes we would we should share with humans and treat all creatures as equals. Morianna spoke. Everyone laughed and made everyone sick, but Celebrant Bohr had already known this too. He had been fighting with Amaris since long before she was born, but his question was not about her as brother that he knew very well indeed. The question is why she had betrayed Amaris. He was growing more irritable with her. She walked closer to the king and bowed to him and spoke. I am here to return to my true roots. Like you, my father once belonged to this tribe. Your father decided to break free from his kin. This is the greatest tribe of elven warriors that had ever lived. He wanted to embrace peace with the humans. That could not be tolerated. He was never strong and could not stomach much power. Real power, real control. He escaped like a coward and allowed my, mo allowed my mother to die for it. He spit out the rest of his food on the floor. As for your mother, Niobe, Niobe, I tried to give her as a gift to my brother, but he rejected her as he rejected his own lineage, as he rejected our father, father and our ways, Selwynbor paused. He looked up and spoke again. Did you know that, young maiden of Redwood? That is not the story I was told. You sent her to kill my father if he refused to return. Also, he was to denounce his alliance with the Emerald Lee Prince Rotham, who I believe is the sworn enemy of this kin, Moriana retorted. Moriana wished he would stop calling her that. She never felt like she truly was a Redwood Maiden. Rotham poisoned my grandmother's sage and left my father without his mother. He fought with his, with Athos, the, the great enchanting king, against my grandfather Odium, the entitled king of the Enchantians, and helped imprison him in one of the six fairy realms. Selvin Bohr spoke directly to her as food fell out to the floor. And therefore you have sought me, Morianna, or is it because he has removed you from the line of succession? I know your thoughts. I have seen what haunts your mind. 
He gave his second child the crown upon his demise, he continued. So, my lady, I ask again, why are you here? I am not in the mood to deal with childhood squabbling. The king paused once more. I thought for sure you would find my help valuable. Moriana wrenched herself from the hand of Predux. All three laughed again. What value are you? You have no power here or there. So what possible use would you be? Selden Bohr laughed. I am the only way you will have to get through the barrier of my father's kingdom, she answered. That got all three of them to pay attention more. Mariana began to speak. If my sister, the half-elf, is not around to be queen, then surely I will be queen of the Redwoods. Surely I will find favor with my father again, Mariana stated. Celebin Bohr laughed wickedly. You want my help to get rid of your sister. You want me to have your father killed and your sister. You know I tried to kill your father once. It wasn't an easy task, Celebin Bohr joked. Moriana didn't find it funny. And just gave him a look. My father is old and warm. Surely it would be very a very easy task. Especially if I'm the one who does it, Moriana spoke. Obviously you failed. But with my help you might not, Moriana pointed out, as she sat in a chair nearby him. They will they all broke into a sudden laughter. Then Selvin Bourne stopped and suddenly asked what it would be in it for him. Mariana face Mariana's face went blank. And then she said, Well, a friend of course against the humans. Do you honestly believe after all these years I need anyone's help, Selvin Bourne? Question. Moriana then looked around the dismal kingdom. Moriana was now the one laughing. To, to her, Selvin Bohr was weak, more so than her father was. He could barely stand. She reminded him about where he was now. He had no real power or allies. The Emerald tribe in the Wood Realm all have but deserted the Saramans. She looked around with disgust once again. All but the trolls have turned to my father, the dwarfs, the centaurs, and the goblins, as well as the pixies and the mermaids, and of course the nymphs, as well as the great fairies of Kalia. Kalia. My father Amrus has, 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 has ultimate control over this land. The Saramans does not have the stronghold as it once did, Moriana argued. Selvin Bohr felt anger and insulted, and so did his sons. If I became the ruler of the Redwood Ken, and I will assist you on our common goal, as well as the old alliances will have no choice but to follow, Moriana repeated herself. Selim Ben Bohr wondered who they would be following. 
but did not ask and let her continue on with her rant. Selvenborg got up and approached Mariana. Hmm, he said. A remarkably interesting proposal. But what guarantee do I have that I will have for your allegiance? Selvenborg asked as he picked his meat from his two, two front teeth. My blood oath, Mariana answered. He chuckled wickedly, and then Selvenborg thought for a minute, and then spoke. I will consider your proposal, but until then, stay. Enjoy my hospitality. Selvenborg gestured to the guards to take her to a chamber. Make sure she gets fresh food and some fresh linen to fit her beauty, he ordered. All of them were revered with her beauty. To them she was a beauty, for they never saw a shield so quick, so captivating. Not yet, anyway. Selvenborg told his sons not to let their mind wander. She still was an enemy. She still was an enemy, a charmed one, but still the enemy. As well, he asked for them to keep a close eye on their guest. After Mariana left the throne room, he turned to his sons. Pregnomius, you seem enchanted with her beauty, my son, Selvinborn observed. Pregnomius, Pregnomius gave his father an unnerving glare. A most tempting offer, father, Pregnomius said. Selvinborn turned his head to his younger son once again. We cannot trust this. It could be a hoax from her father to thrash our people, Predux interjected. interjected. My uncle Amorous let your mother die for his weakness and ran like a weakling and a coward. This is not his doing. He is too weak to produce something clever like this. Besides, he would never send his own child as a spy. Pregnomius spoke. Father, may I speak? Predax looked to Selvinborn. Perhaps we can find use for her after all. She is a ceremony, and she does not have very much magic. But with our wizards, she could be trained. We can use her to get close to her father. Perhaps ransom her, Predax suggested. Selvinborn stood up. Her father has nothing we want. Nothing. He angrily exclaimed, "But I presume she I presume she has a deep hatred for him and love for our kind. However, we still not can, however we still cannot trust her. I am sure you will find a way to use some. Ooh, I'm sorry. I am sure you will find a way or some use for her." Selvinborg stopped talking and began to eat and ordered them to go. Thank you for listening.